The NHL is coming back. Two cities, 12 teams in each playoffs. Where you at, MLB? Either way, when baseball returns, we may see several fantasy teams abandoned. Lots of talk about people not missing baseball. Scary stuff. What can new owners do to get a middling roster turned around? Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for dingers. This is dingers. Way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Danny Holtzson that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs. Joining me again this evening, Robert Baseball, the third. Sure. Whatever, man. (laughs) How's it going, Ty? I'm good, man. I was just saying that I, uh, I tried to play some golf this afternoon. It was too damn hot. Yeah, and I uh, have a heater going on right now in my murder room because I like to keep myself toasty, but uh, it's because it's damp down here. It, it is gross and hot, and I kept on um, moving my chair today to stay in the shade until the trees started to provide enough that I then moved them like 30 feet over to the other side of the yard and, uh, yeah, did that so I could entertain the boy while my wife was busy doing her teacher duties. So I get you, but, I mean, at least you were golfing. Yeah, this is very true. I I did enjoy maybe two of the holes that I played, um, but that's okay. It was it was not my day, and I went with the DNF because it was too hot, and frankly, had another reason to leave the golf course. But we uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, So let's dive in. You know, you mentioned off the top, the NHL surprisingly is the first back to play structure we've seen officially announced. I mean, I. I was getting a little tired of report this, report that. Yeah, rumors are brutal. Yeah, the one thing on that note, though, that I have heard, and, and I don't know that it's a back-to-play or if it's just a, we're not shifting, the NFL sounds like they're just moving ahead as yeah. as normal. Like, full stadiums, they don't care. And they've kind of had that approach, with the even with their draft. They're just like, hey, listen, we're just going to do our thing. Um, there's no need for us to get together, so we won't. But when it comes to us playing games, we're just going to go ahead and do that. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that's received. The SEC announced their athletes are due back on campuses June 8th. So that's another big uh, milestone, if you will, for back to play. And then we move over to baseball and it's like, oh, where's my money? I can't do this without money. And it's like, boo, major well, boo we, earns. We did hear, Ty, from uh, a couple of listeners. And, and aside from the DMs that I get, which, hey, I don't mind, at Robbie Baseball one on Twitter, uh, hit up Ty at Turney Boss or the podcast at Dinger's Pod. Um, yeah, somebody did say they 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 understood but didn't really like or disagreed about our take on it being more focused around the players. And then I think it was Sunday we had a little conversation on Twitter about it. Basically, just I think it's unfortunate that it's becoming a money issue. It should be to me if I'm a player, I want to get paid. Obviously, I don't think I should lose any money in this scenario. Um, but pay me per game what I should be getting, not pay me for the whole season when I haven't performed. Um, 
you know, I think it's about just under 3,500 bucks that a player earns minimum salary um, per game as an MLB player. So if I play a hundred games, then, then pay me that. Um, don't, don't pay, like pay me 3,500 times my hundred games, whatever that minimum is for the, for the guys, break it down, divide up an annual salary by 162. Boom. Get, get that out of the way. And then um, you can bitch and moan about players that get sat so that they don't get paid money. Um, have some kind of an agreement where, you know, if they're not hurt, they're getting paid. There's a lot of that stuff, but I, I, I still believe the focus should be on, how can we return safely to play and okay, here's the path to do it. And then let's get it going. That to me is far more important to all of them um, because they're professional athletes who have a shelf life. They're not accountants who can do this for 40 years if they want. Yeah. And I, and I agree. And that's where we ultimately landed in our Twitter conversation was like, listen, it, it has to be player safety first, first and foremost, no matter what, I think they've kind of ironed that piece out. And I think everybody's okay with it with the exception of, is it worth it in Blake Snell's case? But uh, I think the one thing though, that I will say is that if you're a player, you're doing yourself a major disservice because if you say to the owners, listen, I'm going to make you pay this season. Well, when you as a group go to collectively bargain, or when you as a group go to say, Hey, we think player salary should go up by 5% based on X, they're going to look back at 2020 and say, listen, we ate, four billion dollars as an ownership group you guys owe us four billion dollars over x period of time to make up for that so you know it's it's that's kind of where i'm coming from is like the economics of this are being overlooked from the players they're saying listen we're the product the owners are saying listen the fans are the ones that pay your bills (laughs) and you know that's the gap right now and i i think they're getting dangerously close to the owners saying all right well then we're done for the year yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, we saw it twice. I don't know if it was the last 17 years, whatever it was, where the NHL missed two full seasons in order to get themselves where they are today. Um, but that's in a salary cap situation. And that's what the players absolutely do not want. And I, I can see, I, I mean, this is going to be its own episode, Ty. We're going to have to, we're going to have to cut it short so that we don't get too far off here. Um, but you know, that people say, oh, it's millionaires versus billionaires, or, you know, you're not, you're not a fan if you don't side with the players. I think there's just a lot of factors, period, in this. And Agreed. like everybody sees, you know, Ty, you're a business owner. I owned a business. Um, I get, I get the business side of it. I also understand paying people who need to be paid. Now I'm a, I'm an employee. I want to be paid properly for what I do. Um, but you also hear people say, oh, you know, give me 70% of my wage, you'll get 70% of my effort. Well, that's not going to cut it in professional sports. So they're going to well, have he- to find a way to make everybody okay. They don't have to be happy. A good but deal, the, nobody's happy, right? They just need but to be if okay this was the But if this was the NFL, it'd be a lot different, right? Because if you're, and this is the ultimate problem that I think most people that are pro player aren't understanding is that, in the NFL, you can just fire a player for bad performance. So you could take, right. you know, pool hoses contract and say, boom, see you later. You're done. Yeah. It's over. Gone. You can't We've do that. With, I mean, with kickers, right? They, they miss a couple kicks in a crucial game and they're gone the next week. And you just can't do that in baseball. So that's the problem is that the players are like, listen, like you owe us this. Well, true, but the revenues are gone and we, we can't be held accountable for that because it's not our fault either. So it is what it is. You're right. It's a full episode. Well, maybe we'll dive into it once. Um, once we have a resolution of some sort, one way or another. Correct. Yep, yeah, correct. So let's get into today, Rob. I'm excited because this is literally how you play fantasy baseball. And I'm excited <laughs> for other people to see it and understand uh, the frustration of losing to a roster that looks like this. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> All four of these are just <laughs> atrocious to look at. And yet like I've, I've done the math. Like when you, uh, before we got on today, Ty said you have three columns, which we'll discuss. You need a fourth because there's a type of person who takes over a team who no matter what they see, they're going to want to turn it over. They're going to be an active trader in, in a league and a new league. We see it all, every year. Guys come into dynasty leagues. We play in a lot of them and they just churn that roster. It doesn't matter. So we said, you need to get one of those um, a, a, for that kind of guy. And I was just laughing. I'm like, well, I, I've kind of done it with these other two columns, but no problem. I'm happy to do it. And then I look at it. I'm like, my God, that's horrible. But like, if you <laughs> add those things up, if you look at how all of these things come together, uh, this is Oakland A's, but in fantasy. Uh, it does not look good. You'll have some weird players who are valued way higher than they produce, but a lot of value from the ugly. And that's basically what this episode is, is how do you take over a team in a new league and make it competitive? You have a few ways to do it. So um, for it's essentially the, the rags to riches fantasy story is what it is. Yeah. And we're not doing it where, you know, you, you trade, um, you know, Christian Pache for Ronald Acuna. That's not a thing. That's, that's, that's Bobby baseball. That's where you're just trying to uh, trade off for people to death and annoy everyone in your league for simplicity. We're taking the approach that you have a couple of decent prospects, whether you like them or not, that's, you know, up to the team you inherit and the players themselves, most of a regular MLB starting lineup with players at varying degrees of performance and age and a subpar pitching staff. Um, the question is uh, how can you take a ragtag group, and begin on a path to long-term success. So I've set up four different basic roster constructions with variables for each. The first is a roster that can become competitive right away, but certainly isn't an upper tier championships squad. Uh, the second is a group of minor league players or just entering MLB with lesser value or a wart or two um, who could be impact players within the next season and a half. And you'll see there's a couple of top prospecty guys that are on here. I can explain it as we roll. Um, the third group is made up of players who are post-career peak uh, or had very bad 2019 campaigns and have values that are low. And the fourth group is trade bait. This is the one that Ty had asked me about before. Um, pick these guys up and look to trade them in season. If you're in a deep league, every MLB player that bats over 250 that has an OBP, or sorry, OPS over 750, is going to be of use to somebody because they're going to have a better player or somebody that they invested a lot in that gets hurt and they're going to want to continue to compete. And if you are on a team that is middling, you get to make the choice. Do I want to put my chips in? Do I want to take my chips out? The roster full of trade bait guys, all of them are really, really good players at different times. And you just need to know when that's going to happen. So um, I can dig right in. We'll go with, I've, I've color coded. I will, when we post this episode up, I will put it on Twitter so everybody can uh, have a look, read along, uh, do whatever you want to do. But um, uh, nobody should be surprised that I want you to go and pick up for your, get your team competitive. Your catcher is Tom Murphy. Okay. It makes a lot of sense to me in time. I'm just going to go position across. Okay. So the four teams. Should you open your drink first? Yes, I should. I'm thirsty and I've been touching it. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. 
still on that dirty, dirty pass flu ribbon, aren't you? I'm old Milwaukee tonight. Um, okay. Last, what was it last time? Oh yeah, because we recorded with Mason, uh, who we, I don't know when we're going to air that one exactly. We're trying to time it out with the MLB draft. So um, at Mason underscore McRae on Twitter, if uh, you have not listened to that episode, that'll be our of, next. That'll be next week if you're listening right now. There we go. Um, it was great. Uh, called a psychopath by his mother, I do believe. Um, <laughs> it was it was a really good one. But I was I was drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon. Um, I went back to the old Milwaukee Tall Boys, and I'm getting ready to make a switch for a very special episode that we've got coming up. So, um, Ty, are you you're you're not drinking? You've got business to conduct. I do have some business to conduct. I also nearly uh, went to the the um, what's the word out. Like I basically dried out on the golf course today because it was so ah. hot. So I'm rehydrating water styles. That makes sense. And that's why I'll, I'll do the, um, the baseline here of talking about the rosters and then Ty will just do the fun part, which is just picking it all apart. So <laughs> uh, we've got four teams. We've got the get your team competitive, the young upgrade prospect team, the various values, not studs guys, and the uh, just get them for potential in-season trade team. So the first team, get your team competitive, go get Tom Murphy. I've talked about him a lot. Uh, he's going to get at least 50, 50 at bats the next season. I'm, I'm not saying this season, I'm just going to go with the next season. Now with Seattle, uh, huge, big bat power. He's worth having your young upgrade prospect catcher. I would go for is Ivan Herrera of St. Louis. This doesn't have to be somebody that you're penciling in for a decade of success. This can certainly be a guy that because he went to the Arizona fall league last year, he's getting prospect hype. It's important, as Ty has talked about time and time again, to value the hype of a prospect. They don't have to ever play on your team for you to get maximum value for them. You can get a guy like Ivan Herrera, a St. Louis prospect. Look what they did with Carson Kelly, right? They get him, he gets out of St. Louis, all of a sudden he's a pretty solid MLB catcher. Ivan Herrera might be the next version of that, or he just takes over from Molina and life is good, which leads us to various value guys. Go get Yachty Molina. This is not. It's going to be legend. Wait for it. Dairy. Is that because he's a legend? Absolutely. Uh, so Molina is a top 10 catcher. I know people are going to say how, how so, because catching is so terrible. And um, the further back you go, the better he has been, of course, or the more he's ranked up in the top five. Um, but Molina will cost you a bit more in prospect pedigree as far as a trade goes to get him. But he also really helps to bring up your, your floor. And at the, at the catcher position, um, the idea of punting it, as Yancey has told us, is not a good one. And that will go for Dynasty, too. If you're going to punt a position, um, make it somewhere within your relief cores. Don't make it within your catcher. Get somebody that's going to help you. And then the just go get them, guys. The guys that you can um, maybe look to trade midseason or look to see what long-term value. James McCann, Chicago White Sox. We've seen what two good seasons out of McCann now, and now he's going to be the backup um, for Yosemite Grindal. But the possibility exists, especially – over multiple seasons that McCann could stick around, could be traded somewhere to play more, um, could find himself DHing. There are lots of possibilities where James McCann still ends up helping you out from the catcher position. Well, and McCann is definitely going to get more of bats than people think. Um, Grandall is going to split at those three spots as well. I mean, big games Grandall is going to catch. That's just going to be a thing. But the back of the rotation, you're going to see McCann uh, probably with uh, some different guys. I, I think you're going to see Grandal catch uh, our boy Reynaldo Lopez, who was a member of Team Post Hype. Hello. 
But James McCann is a guy that I like specifically and especially for points uh, uh, leagues because he's not going to hurt you. He's not a huge, huge strikeout guy. And again, just rather neutral, net neutral. And Yaddy has been my guy for a really long time. He's like a five-time fantasy champion with me. And so I'm definitely a big Yachty guy because, again, the floor, super high, and we know how much I love high floors. And when you are taking over a roster, it's really important to make sure whatever you do, you don't get worse. So if you are going to take the young upgrade prospect approach, Ivan Herrera is far enough away that you still go and get some other form. You get a James McCann, you get a Molina, um, you take a chance on Pedro Severino of Baltimore. Chance Cisco might still be available because Baltimore's catching situation is so bad and Cisco has kind of hurt himself enough that, you know, in 24 team leagues, he can be on the waiver wire. But your catching position there, boom, you're solidified. You got a guy, you're moving on. Catching isn't um, costing you your league, but it's certainly week to week can be part of the reason why you can't catch up, especially if you're in a categories leagues where you don't win the week and get one win. You get, you know, of your 15 categories, your eight, whatever your categories are, you just get one point for each one. So if you're punting your catcher, it hurts you week over week over week. Um, So you do want to have somebody that at least has a bit of upside. Moving to first base, the team gets you competitive. Go get CJ Cron. We talked about him before. Um, Hits bombs. The lineup in Detroit might be able to help not that he's going to you know be able to lead the lineup but it it just won't be absolutely terrible there's some upside there and then you know we're crossing our fingers with candelario that he can actually help out as well um for the young upgrade prospect we're going to baltimore ryan mountcastle uh, i really like mountcastle this is somebody who's going to cost you more but he also is not the big hyped first base prospect right now you know we've got vaughn in there we've got evan white now with the contract um, mountcastle i don't know exactly where he is on everybody's depth charts for dynasty formatting we're still trying to collect those lists so again listeners um at robbie baseball one if you want to tag me with somebody's dynasty list i'm happy to grab it put it into our time capsule but uh, ryan mountcastle is somebody who you can go get for the end half of the next season um, because he should be up playing with Baltimore. And, I mean, go get Chris Davis off the waiver wire while you're waiting. Go go see what kind of fodder comes out and just get a, get a plug. You know, I did it in a dynasty league last year where I picked up Chris Davis and I also got Pete Alonzo. And I knew Alonzo at some point was going to come in. It worked out, right? Doesn't mean it's going to happen with Mountcastle, but you get him, you pay a little bit more to get him in trade but he's also going to have immediate and consistent playing time when he does come up. There's no one taking a spot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, why not go get some of these guys? Like I agree. I think uh, Chris Davis is definitely a guy that might still have a little bit left in him. Spring training stats looked great. Oh, no. so, <laughs> just, but, but I'm with you on Ryan Mountcastle. He's, he's one of the guys I'm most excited for this season. I think they're finally going to let him play in Baltimore, which is great. Unfortunately, that means Trey Mancini went through what he's been through this year. Um, But I think there's a clear path for Mountcastle to get 500 or more at-bats, depending on how he breaks in. But I like him more than anybody else you have in this list. The rest of this list makes me cringe, just Mm -hmm. based on how I build my teams. The one thing I will say, uh, Austin Nola, Jamin Choi can both be valuable if used properly, you're better at that than I am. That's why this is your roster. CJ Cron scares me just a little bit. 
And the biggest reason for that is I see just a small regression. I think he's a great player. And I think it's a product of the fact that he played in Minnesota last year and that being in Detroit, he's going to lose the protection he had last season. And so I think yeah. you're going to see a small regression. You're going to see some of the stuff we talked about with guys like Gritchick and others that have not had that protection in the lineup and it impacts their strikeout numbers. So the one thing I will say is that CJ Cron is 100% going to be traded at the deadline. So if, if you're going to look at him, that's a time where I, I do my best work is I go get him right before he gets traded. And then when he ends up in a good situation down the stretch, he's super valuable to help you win championships. Yeah, he definitely benefited from the, the lineup in Minnesota. And I mean, Cameron Maben, uh, who did have a really good 2019, he's not, you know, just solidifying things in Detroit. Um, Shope is not solidifying things in Detroit, but they are guys who can help uh, so that hopefully if if CJ Cron does have a bit of a regression, it's not massive. So Austin Nola and J-Man Choi, as Ty said, those are the guys I have on the various value team as well as the future trade team. J-Man Choi uh, gets into good streaks, gets into good rhythms and puts up a lot of points. He's a really good points league player. I have had him for two seasons in a points league. I think I picked him up off waivers midway through and was just, you know, seeing what was going on. But looking at a few weeks where he had, you know, 15 to 25 points thinking that's a pretty valuable guy. Even though I was stacked at first base with Rizzo and Bellinger, you just pick up guys that are valuable to you. Even if somebody suffers a major injury, you can then approach that team and say, Hey, I got J-Man Choi. All I need is blah, blah, blah. Whatever, Whatever's on the list to help you out. And Austin Nola, I think Austin Nola is going to pair well because he's going to be multi-position eligible as the season goes on. And if it doesn't work out, you never will have said, I paid too much for Austin Nola because I don't think anybody's asking for anything. <laughs> he's somebody I'm super high on, which is fine. Um, which I, I'm pretty confident you are the high guy on Austin Nola, which is yeah. fine because I, I think there's enough there to justify the, the value pick. Um, and, and I think it's, it's a great scenario if you pair him with your guy, Tom Murphy as well. It means makes a ton of difference to value wise. If you grab both of those guys. Yeah. And when we hit up the idea of a utility position in your bench, that's where you can fit in some of these guys where it doesn't make sense to have them as your main guy that you're banking on for production. But when you have a good little, um, stew of players going on where you can move them all around a little bit it really helps so that you don't have a one injury cripple your team. So moving to second base, I'll go as quick as I can. Cause I, there's a lot of names here. Um, values are, are different shed long. I really think I love that everybody, I've got a Seattle guy for every position, but anyway, <laughs> um, shed long looks like he's going to lead off in Seattle. He's going to get who knows how many extra at bats a season versus if he was going eighth or ninth, let's just say 150 at bats or more versus what people projected a year ago for him. So he could see 700 plate appearances. Uh, the guy can steal bases. It's a matter of if they're going to let him do it, he could actually help you in all categories. He's not going to be a big Homer guy and that's fine. Seattle's a big park. He can get the ball around, put it in play, get himself on base. If they let him run, it'll be great as a prospect guy, Nick Madrigal. He has the flaw of not having power. Everybody is now realizing that he actually does not have power. So as a top prospect, he's getting a little hit for it. I don't care. I'm scooping in. I am picking up Madrigal everywhere I can. And I've mentioned it before because one category, which is power, can be found throughout your lineup. It doesn't have to be relying on one person, whereas stolen bases, certain things like that, your OPS, you need you know, you need everybody chipping in for it. But home runs are a lot like strikeouts if you play in a strikeout against league. You know, you really need Joey Gallo, Gallo to hit you a lot of home runs because he strikes out so much. 
So it's it's one for the other. Whereas Madrigal is not going to have that negative stat. He doesn't strike out a lot of balls in play. I really like him as a prospect. So I would pay exactly market value for him. I wouldn't go silly with him because I don't think um, that's the play for him right now because Chicago's lineup is good. It's going to get better. Moving quickly to Detroit, Jonathan Shope. We've talked about him before. I won't get into it. MLB player, very easy to acquire him. And then another guy, Jose Peraza. Um, if things go poorly with Nick Madrigal, you might end up with Jose Peraza. So your Peraza now in Boston might have the ability to either come off the bench midway to later in a game and get more stolen bases or might find himself playing a decent amount at second base and becoming an everyday useful MLB player. Time will tell. The second base lineup here, the overarching theme is that nobody's really old. When we get into other positions, you'll see some older MLB players. Second base, you don't want to get too old because the position's not deep. But if I'm picking one guy here, I'm actually going to take Shed Long um, and just hope that he gets the at-bats because I know once he does, he'll be able to do something good with it. I think in this current scenario, like the way you're building this roster, I like Jose Peraza because I think he's going to cost you the least out of the guys on that list. And I think he has the most, you know, we talk about it in season uh, in terms of their stock. I think he has the most to gain in terms of a buy low, sell high type guy. Absolutely. Of of this group. So like, I think you can buy him for nothing and sell him for, for a significant return. He's still just 26. um, You know, and he's got, several years under his belt. What's he at now? One, two, three, five years, uh, four and a half or four in a, in a cup of coffee um, in terms of an MLB career, 273 career average, right? Like still lots there. He's going to be in a better situation. Look what they've done with Brock Holt over the last couple of years, right? A guy that really has no hang your hat on skill set or skill set outside of maybe brings the lunch pail to work. And ultimately that guy is beloved in Boston because he worked hard. I think Peraza fits that. And I think the way that Boston roster is set up, he's going to find himself playing quite frequently because he can give Bogarts um, and, and the rest of that outfield days off can even slide in at third when the balls start sailing into the bleachers after a ground ball is chopped to our boy. (laughs) So he who will not be named this episode. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, Ty. I agree. Of this list, I, I certainly think that Peraza has the ability to increase his value the most, 100%. And that's why he's on the go get him to trade him list. And if you're in a contract league, I bet you Peraza's got a high cost. So if you've got a cap on him um, or you're in a real money auction league or whatever it is, the owner of Peraza will probably be happy to trade him off of the roster to relieve that cap space. If there is a a cap situation or to free up that money for something else. And I mean, I'm in a real money auction league where guys are literally paying the salary. So $15 is being paid for you to take him off of my roster. We, when we were regularly getting, you know, ramped up for the, the season, you would see messages in the group me chats for those things all the time. And I just thought like, man, you could walk into this league as the 31st team and pick up a pretty decent team because guys feel like they paid too much for certain players. And Peraza is one of those guys who people invested heavily in. Now across the board, the production hasn't met what it's supposed to. So people don't want them. So moving to... And still, sorry, and still has some stolen base ability, right? You know, he averaged averaged 20, uh, what, 22 over the three previous seasons, essentially. So just seven last year. Um, and, and played a little less in, in Cincinnati last year. But the only other note that I would, I would say is um, Scope is a power guy. So don't go get Scope and expect him to be a five-tool guy. Right. 
look for RBIs and homers, and that's all you can expect out of scope. But if you're if you're in category scenario and that can help you, uh, he's the right guy for that opportunity. And I think it was 17 that was um, the big season for Schultz before he moved out of Baltimore after, and 18 was a struggle. And yeah, so it was, I mean, we're a couple years removed from the peak, but it doesn't mean he's not still a viable option as one of the plug, plug-in guys. Um, shortstop, Jose Iglesias in Baltimore, we've talked about him plenty. This is a guy you can put in and he's fine. He's not, he's not helping you. Um, dominate but he's certainly keeping you involved in weeks and that's a big part especially in the deep dynasty leagues you see guys that build teams on studs and duds i think that's a really really tricky method you you really don't want to have uh, if you're in a points league a bunch of guys that can average you know four to five points from player positions and then some other guys who you're just hoping get playing time and might end up getting you less than two points per game i would much rather have a bunch of guys that are getting me you know 2.75 points per game and chugging along and it keeps me competitive lets me know what i need allows me to put a lot more weight on my pitching um if you're in categories leagues iglesias is just one of the guys on your roster you're not counting on him for a lot um, quickly moving to Christian Cross, Colorado Rockies prospect. He's a lot further away. Somebody we talked about in our you know deep list prospects. Um, I really like him. He signed for over slot last year, and this is the type of guy that I want to get in dynasty leagues. And he's probably available on your waiver wires because teams ju- or owners, I should say, are not interested in him at this point. In two years, uh, I'm, I'm going to reach and say you could see not the number one prospect like Gavin Lux type hype, but you could see a lot of good things. You have the Colorado factor. Don't, don't pretend like it's not a thing in fantasy guy plays in Colorado. He's a, he's a big asset uh, story. will be two years further along. And if Colorado hasn't turned around, they might be looking to ditch him. We're not sure what's going on with Brendan Rogers. So there's a lot of potential volatility. Uh, Garrett Hampson, everybody else in Colorado costs could be coming up at the right time. I think he was in the pioneer league last year, which roughly means three seasons away at this point uh seattle i had to get another guy in jp crawford former top prospect um he didn't come up and overwhelm last year but he's now one season in as an mlb player i look for a lot of stability in crawford at shortstop price tag's not going to be too high to get him and then dd gregorius somebody who people like to forget about he disappointed last year his values down really low he comes back in philly solidifies himself and you've got a trade asset or you can realize that maybe you know roll the dice and keep him for another season and see what you can get. So the shortstop position, uh, there's one just prospect in cost, but tie of the Iglesias, Crawford, Didi, who do you want on uh, on your new franchise that you walked into? It's not even close. It's Didi. Like it, it's for sure. I was never a big Didi guy. You've slowly turned me into a believer over the years. Uh, I think the the spot in Philly, this is the best move they made in the off season. Uh, I think that it's going to pay huge, huge dividends with experience. Uh, as I've said many times before, he's fun to watch because he has maybe a top three arm at shortstop, um, you know, and that's that's just fun to watch. And, you know, Segura is a guy that can also play an okay shortstop, but I think just the leadership you're going to get out of Gregorius, the left-handed bat, super important to go with that predominantly right-hand heavy lineup in Philly. Uh, I think it's a, it's just a nice option. And I think he's, he's going to have a huge breakout year um, with, you know, some really good pitching in that NL East. So I think it's going to be important to have his experience, but I, I like JP Crawford with, with some upside. And, and I've talked about Iglesias being a bargain 
you know, yeah. backup level guy that can, can give you, you know, assets as long as you're not looking for the pop. Uh, he's a great fit. He does the rest of it quite well and is quite frankly, maybe the most under underappreciated shortstop in all of baseball. Cause he just does the same thing. He gives you 280 or higher plays phenomenal defense and he scores some runs and surprisingly gets a little more RBI action than you would think. Yeah, and we do have an episode that we are waiting for actual baseball to start before we go through, and that's um, previous performance guys. So basically people that are a lot better than they're perceived to be, and Iglesias is one of those guys. So um, the shortstop position, there's definitely a lot of different ways you can go with it, but no matter what, you can get a good shortstop. And I think I would say as early as two years ago, we wouldn't have been saying that if you're taking over a team. Shortstop was once shallow. Now it appears to be a very deep position. So playing uh, career career high 11 home runs last year too for Iglesias. So uh, a major blip. Uh, maybe a member of team PED soon, but uh, <laughs> you know, definitely a guy that I, I think is worth watching and he, and he's going to get at bats because there's nobody coming for his job in Baltimore. Yeah. The whole point I think of putting him there for the year is that they can just plug him in and let him, let him play and let everybody at the minor league levels play as well. And there wouldn't be movement within the organization for the, the next, the upcoming season. Um, right. Third base. This is one that, I think is awesome because it looks really rough. So um, the t- the guy that can help to get you competitive right away, Yandy Diaz, Tampa Bay. We've talked about it before. Tampa Bay is crowded infield, but Diaz is a good ball player. And I think Tampa Bay is going to give him the opportunity to play regularly, which is going to be a hard thing for the infielders in Tampa Bay. If they don't perform Diaz, I think should at least get the first crack at it, get the, the majority of, at bats and does not have a high value. I know from one twenty team dynasty that I'm in, somebody was almost trying to like give them to me for, I forget what it was somewhere in the, in the rookie draft in like the 120th pick area. So like a fourth round, if you're in a 30 team league, um, not really high on Yandy Diaz as a starting third baseman on what could be a very good MLB team. Uh, Carter Keboom, not yet officially third base eligible, but you know we're just going to say, as we have for some other things, it all signs point to him becoming a third baseman. The value is low. That's why he's on the young upgrade prospect team. People are not over the moon for him. But of course, when you come knocking on somebody's door and say, hey, I'm interested in a former top prospect, they're going to say, okay, pay up. So figure out what prospect on your team others like that you don't somebody that you don't think has the ability to fulfill the commitments of your fantasy roster because just having a good prospect doesn't really help to translate if they're not going to fit your mold because say you're stacked at first base and you know you've got Andrew Vaughn not that you're trading Cuban for Vaughn you get the idea um, Matt Theus LA Angels he's he's currently third base eligible but the only way he's going to get MLB time is at first base because they signed that Rendon guy, whatever his name is. Um, uh, what's it? Uh, Andy Rendon that they signed. So anyway, Rendon has taken over third base. Um, you know, Pujols is going to have to be injured or just out of the way in order for uh, former first round pick Matt Theus to get some time. But I believe in him. He's on the various values, guys, not the studs. He's very cheap to acquire in leagues. And finally, Uh, go get him for trade value is Travis Shaw in Toronto. It it could be a total miss. Absolutely. It could be, he might not get the playing time, but also Toronto doesn't have a solidified first baseman. And maybe, although he is a third base now, maybe he finds himself as a third first eligible guy for the next season. And, you know, somebody gets injured on another team and Shaw's hitting 270 at the moment. You can go ahead and slot him in for a trade. Yeah. I, I really like Travis Shaw. I think there's some big upside. 
Uh, didn't necessarily love what I saw at the beginning of spring training, uh, but I saw much better hacks towards the end. And, you know, that's not to be surprised. Um, this is a veteran that's been around, so he knows what he's doing. I, I think you're going to see a bounce back year from Shaw. And I think he knows it. I think the Jays know it. Um, you should know it as a fantasy owner. And I think you can get him for nothing. Um, this is a guy that has 30 home run pop regularly. Uh, in Toronto, he would have 35 if the dome's open, um, assuming they can play baseball north of the border. Uh, it's definitely going to be your best guy of this group. I, I like the Yandy Diaz buy as well. I think you can get him for even less than Shaw in some leagues, depending on who has him and what they know about him. Uh, this is a guy that just gets the job done. Like very, very Tampa Bay level player. Um, he's the perfect fit for what they do. I think, again, we talked about pairing him with players before. Pairing him with a Jamin Choi would be a smart move, having both of those guys handcuff each other. Um, and, and honestly, if you own anybody on Tampa Bay, that's the way you need to think. Uh, yeah, daily, daily lineup leagues for Tampa Bay. If you're, if you're getting anybody outside Austin Meadows, um, you, you need it to be in a daily lineup league because you're going to be stuck getting frustrated, wondering, you know, if somebody does something in BP and then doesn't play for three days, you got to be able to get them out of the lineup. Well, yeah, I mean, Jamin Choi, well, Jamin Choi might only play if it, if the uh, wind is coming from the Northwest, right? Like <laughs> Tampa Bay does some weird things with their lineups and, and it works, but you know, that's, that's interesting. Keyboom is a guy that I honestly, he might be one of the more confusing guys in all of baseball for me. Um, there, there's things I like and there's things I hate and I just can't figure out where I want to put him. So, yeah. but I do, I do agree though. That's exactly why he's on this list because I think he's a guy that has the ability to, to, to provide some real value that you can get for far less than what that value could be. Yeah. And quick note on uh, Yandy Diaz as well, whoever will own him, if it's not the team you walk into um, they have another third baseman. Cause that's the guy that was playing down the stretch for them unless there were off-season moves where they sold out and were like, I'm all in on Yandy Diaz. You should be able to walk into a league, find him. There'll be a starting third baseman on that team as well. And maybe you inquire, you know, you do a little stealth. Hey, I'm interested in your starting third baseman. Um, but if not him, you know, I'd be interested in Yandy Diaz. And then you kind of see where the conversations go. So moving to the outfield tie, what I've done is I've tried to do it. Um, you know, you've got your baseball player, cover your categories guys with, with one exception, um, we've got a speed group, we've got a plug and play group, and then we um, get out of it because there's there's nine guys to cover, or sorry, twelve guys to cover, and so it's a little easier to try to group them up based on what they can, what you can get from them. So we've got Cargo Carlos Gonzalez out in Seattle, total flyer. He's going to be free. I think he can get you competitive because I think Seattle wants to play him, and I I didn't mention a Seattle third baseman, so I needed to get back to mentioning <laughs> Seattle guys. Um, Adam Hasley. Uh, out in Philly, uh, looks like he's going to be a starting center fielder. Uh, McCutcheon coming back, of course, but uh, there's room in center. There, there can be some at bats and left. Things move around in the NL. You know, competitive team. Uh, Hasley can can do some good things for you. Uh, we've got a straight out various value guy team. Uh, Mark Payton, Rule Five pick. We talked about him when we covered the Rule Five. Uh, this could be, and it's going to sound silly this could be like a jose batista situation uh batista i didn't even realize was a rule five guy he was playing at high a and then got selected 
um, I think with Pittsburgh or selected out of Pittsburgh and then toured around, did his five teams in 2009, I think was the year and then landed finally in Toronto. And as he had said, um, this is Batista said, it wasn't until he got in with, with Cito and, and Cito had said, you know, you got to stop doing this. You got to look for this pitch. You got to, you know, find these certain things. And I think that could be what happened to Peyton last year in triple a. And now he's looking for a place to go and put that on the MLB map. Because all of a sudden Peyton had power out of nowhere after just kind of being a farmhand with the Yankees for years. So he's in Cincinnati. He's got to be on the roster. It's a crowded roster. I can certainly see him being moved, put back on waivers. And because of his ability at AAA to hit, I think he's going to find himself on various teams. This might not be a guy you have to do anything other than put a claim in on the waiver wire for. Um, but I think he's worth getting. And as a go get him to trade him guy, this was the guy that was the go get him and trade him last year, Hunter Pence. He went back to San Francisco. He's healthy. Um, you check him out on social media. It looks like he's, you know, staying in shape. Um, I'm, I'm interested in Hunter Pence to get to flip. This is certainly not a guy I want to see on my team two years from now um, because I've had him the whole time. I want to, I want to get him, get some value out of him and turn him over to the, the, you know, upper echelon team for a bench bat, something like that. So Ty, yeah, I, who's the big one here? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I don't love this group. I'm not going to lie. I cargo was, was a guy that spent many years on my roster for a long time. So there's some sentimental value with cargo. Um, I am not a Hazley guy as we've talked about yeah. before. Um, I'm, I'm out on Hazley everywhere. Um, I just don't think he's, um, a big action guy. I'd love for him to prove me wrong, but I, I just think he's what I talk about a lot. One of those guys that get overhyped up the middle catcher, shortstop center field. Uh, I think Hazley's one of those guys that is going to be a very good baseball player, not a great fantasy player. And there's a difference between those two things. So, um, Mark Payton is interesting to me. Like I, I, I'm not as familiar as you are with him. Um, I've done the reading that you've kind of put out there for him in our episodes, but um, Hunter Pence has to be the guy for me in this group, just because I know what I got. I know the playing time is going to be there. It's and a good track record too, right? Like certainly had a, a season or a two season blip of downward, but he turned it around last year, new approach and didn't have to play the outfield a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just think that he's just got the right mentality to, go into a team, you know, like a Toronto or like us. I don't know what the next best option would be. Uh, it's kind of on the rise uh, to just give them that oh. veteran presence down yeah. the stretch if they're close. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a second team that would fall into that category. Maybe, maybe the Diamondbacks, if they were somehow competitive down the stretch. White Sox. Be, yeah. The White Sox would be a great example. I don't think they're going to give up the at-bats with the young guys they have in the outfield, but um, I, I 100% agree with the idea. If he was the fourth outfield there, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. But the problem with Pence is that he has to go to a roster that has a, a stud center fielder because he can't right. play center field. It's just not going to be an option. Probably can't even play left field at this point. Yeah, um, I was going to say, realistically, you want him in the AL, but he went back to San Fran, um, which uh, we'll really know where his health is 50 games in if he's still able to produce or if he's getting, you know, winded or, or struggling a bit defensively, we know how it affects some players when they're not playing well defensively. So. Yeah. Like the big takeaway for me in this group though, is that there is some low floors and that's what I like to stay away from. So I probably wouldn't be buying much in this group, but again, this is where you make your money. So um, trust his judgment, ladies and gentlemen. 
yeah, the the mark of this list, the Mark Payton is probably got the highest ceiling uh, as well as the lowest floor because he might just not get to play. And that's the the one the one nice thing I, I feel about with Peyton is you're not going to be pissed about your investment in him because it will not have been high. Like I mentioned before, it could just be a waiver claim and that's it. Cargo, same thing, um, you know, essentially out of baseball and what at the end of 18 plugged through very poorly in 19. I think a lot of people have just given up on him, but there's room for him to play in Seattle. And then Hasley, I'm just, you know, I like the guy. So he fits in here. So a more of a speed with this next group here, we've got Randy Ayers arena in Tampa Bay. We've talked about him on a few different episodes. Um, really good AAA player out of St. Louis opportunity in Tampa Bay. It's going to take some time or an injury, but I like what you can get out of him. But again, no power Jefferson Espinal uh, prospect way, way far away in Arizona. This is a guy you pick up just like Ivan Herrera. So that in two years you can either trade him or you can see what's going on with him as far as his actual development. Once he comes over stateside and starts to get at bats, you can see what you've got, but regardless, he's immediate prospect value. And a lot of people we're sleeping on him in drafts, even in rookie drafts. I think I got him in the ninth round in our, one of our 30 team leagues, which like he shouldn't have been there. I remember talking to somebody and, and trading them an MLB player so that they would draft him and then trade him to me after. Like, I, I can't remember who it was I traded, but it was just one of those, like, why is he still there? Like he's so young, but at the same time you throw this guy in and just forget about him. You know, like you, you know, he's um, what do they call it? The uh, Canada savings bond. You just, you, <laughs> you have them. And so for everybody that doesn't know, you have them, you put a hundred bucks in and, you know, in 15 years or whatever, you get another hundred bucks on top of that. Um, you, you, this, that's what you could get for him, right? You just have to wait and see, and you have to be patient. You, you could have somebody come and approach you with something better, trade them off. You know, uh, Delano DeShields Jr., this is a very tantalizing talent. The steals, we've talked about if this is an actual decline, if it's going to end in Cleveland. Um, and then when things go wrong, Delano DeShields ends up nearly out of baseball, kicking around, trying to find something to do. And that's where we see Billy Hamilton um, on a San Francisco team as weak as the one is headed into this year. Billy Hamilton should be a starting center fielder. Yikes. Uh, but that's a good thing for you to pick him up to trade him because somebody's going to need stolen bases in a roto league. Somebody is going to not care about his inability to hit if he is somehow getting on base. Um, he'll have to have you know a high um, Babbitt. He'll have to be very efficient with his steals. And some way, I think he's going to end up probably batting eighth or ninth in San Francisco, depending on what they do with the pitcher. Um, he's going to have to create his own opportunities, but he's also not going to cost you anything. I got him in a real money auction league for 50 cents. I got, I got Carlos Gonzalez for 50 cents also. What's that? Yeah, no, my team doesn't look great right now. Okay. But that's the whole way you do it is you get a couple of flyers on guys and maybe they're, maybe they're your bench bench bats, but you put them in over the weekend when you're behind in steals, you, you put them in when you need something and you see what happens and somebody else might do the same thing for you. So Ty, this is a rough group. I just assume Arizona is the guy on this list that you prefer the most, but tell the people. Well, I might be one of the high guys on Azarina, so I, I am definitely um, going to go with him because I think I think he might end up being as good as Austin Meadows at some point. He's not going to have the same profile, but I think he's going to be just as valuable across categories uh, at some point in his career. So is that going to be this year? Maybe not, but he's a guy that I want to own. I like what I've seen so far out of him, and I think it's – he's the guy that they got to give up Libertor. And, you know, for me, 
we talked about it last week um, or, or actually that might've been next week um, <laughs> when we talked about Tampa's trading ability and yeah. I, I, they're terrible drafters, but their track record on trades is very good. So for me, I also see some things that I really like with him. I just, I think he's going to win more at bats than people are expecting him to win right now. And, you know, Kiermaier doesn't have the track record of staying healthy to, to hold him off. And that's the thing that I think is ultimately going to give him the opportunity. So he's the guy I like first and foremost, the one guy in the group, um, the other guy I would consider is the line of the shields. And the reason for that is his career high in plate appearances, 440. Yeah. So uh, sorry, 492 in his rookie season. I miss that one. Sorry. Um, but the, the reality is what can this guy do with consistent at bats? Because Texas definitely jerked him around a little bit in terms of consistent playing time. So I would love to see him go into a season with a great manager like Francona and just say, Hey kid, here's what I need you to do. Keep it simple. Bat ninth, do this, do that. He might find himself in that one hole. And if he does huge value with his speed profile runs stolen bases. And I I'd be very interested to see what that does for him. So um, those are the two guys I'm out on Billy Hamilton have been for some time. Um, was, and, that, and, was that your ICQ board lighting up? No, that was my, <laughs> um, my watch. Somehow I got rewarded for standing up while I'm sitting here. And so I closed all my circles on my exercise thing for today. So man, for me, you are a baller. <laughs> That's right, man. Um, so quick, quick little off note. We'll get right back on because I know this is taken longer than I, I intended, but that's what happens when we start recording. Um, the best part of the last dance um, was it not finding out that Terry Frank Odom was the double A manager of Michael Jordan. Like that, that was a cool. And the fact that they had to put Jordan at double A because they didn't have anywhere else that could support the media that were going to be around him. Yeah. That was, that was the best part of the whole thing. Um, everything else we already knew the ending to, but I thought that was a really cool little baseball tidbit. And the fact that Frank Cohen was like, I couldn't believe he batted over 200. Um, it, yeah, it's cool. So the final outfield position, and obviously, you know, you can have a five outfielder league, which means we're only on the third. So there's a lot of ways in which you can build your team here. So Sinsu Chu out of Texas, a plug and play guy, he's old, people don't love him, but he gets it done. Uh, you want to take a chance similar to a Mark Payton. I wouldn't overload my roster with too many of these guys, but it, it's easy to do because the talent is there. Ryan McBroom of Kansas city McBroom's problem as we've talked about before. We don't see the playing time as something you can pencil in for this season, but the ability for him to mash balls is there. Uh, Victor Reyes came on strong in Detroit strong uh, for a Detroit player last year, um, which isn't saying a lot, but he has the potential to get you in five categories. Um, OPS is going to be something that he might dip with over the course of a full season. So when you play in a seven, seven by seven or an eight by eight, you got to look at him a little more cautiously. Um, but in a five by five race is a pretty solid bet at least to start your season or to possibly um, acquire to trade. And then Kevin Pillar in Boston, this could be a fourth outfield assignment for him, uh, but he could also find himself getting 450 at bats. And sometimes when guys don't play every day, they can hone in a little bit more when they are playing or when they know they're going to play. And this could be a good thing for Pilar. I mean, he's a professional ball player. Um, he, he does streak, 
So when that occurs, um, it's going to be a good thing. And if there's an injury in Boston, you know, if, if the wind picks up and Alex Verdugo breaks his arm, there will be every day at bats for him. Um, you know, Ben Intendi and Jackie Bradley Jr. are going to be penciled in all the time, but you never know where things are going to go. So well, I think I, the going to be cheap. Yeah, I think this move for the Red Sox gives them the ability to trade Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, this is a, a walk year for him. So I think that's partly why they did it. Uh, is to add that little bit of depth. And, and likewise on Pilar too, they could send him out the door as well too. So yeah. uh, we might see Castillo come up from the minors at the end of his seven-year contract. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's uh, that's an interesting conversation in itself. But of this list, I actually like Ryan McBroom. And yeah. that's, oh, good. yeah, I actually think he he's the guy that could battle O'Hearn a little bit. And the reality yeah. is like they're, you know, you've got, Solaire in the outfield. That's really the only guy that's like, Hey, there's, you're not taking my bats kind of guy. And the reality is he's probably full-time DH anyway. Uh, so I, I like McBroom as an opportunistic to fly, fly into the outfield, but I like the fact that there's also a potential need at first base, which is his primary position. Um, so former Toronto farmhand um, was let go a couple of years ago. Uh, for whatever reason, because he could have been good. And that's what Toronto does with first base prospects. Um, so I, I like him. I, I think he's, he's got the last couple of years tracking the right way and could be a breakout guy. Um, so I, I like him best. Chu Chu is, there's nothing wrong with, you're going to get exactly. <laughs> you accidentally you, just said Chu Chu, which is why I'm laughing. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, he, he just chugs along. So it's perfect. <laughs> um, he just does exactly what you think is going to be uh, walk a bunch, have a respectable OPS. And, you know, he could be a guy if Texas is not in the race down the stretch, a really nice trade piece for Texas. Cause I believe this is his last year as well on his yeah. current agreement. Yeah. Cause he was like a big seven year contract, which uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like he's been there forever, but uh, yeah. So the final, the, the utility spot, you know, you could say this is the beginning of the bench. Um, this is, you could go anywhere with it. Um, if you're trying to improve right away, I've written in Kevin Cron of Arizona, who we discussed on one of the previous episodes. So I will not go beyond the possibility of him there. If, if he doesn't work out because of playing time, um, you can switch to either Eric Thames in Washington or Howie Kendrick. It's a utility spot. You can plug anybody in, take any of those outfielders um, that are still kicking around and plug them in. The biggest thing I can say about my offense as a whole is that I don't have an emphasis on power. I'm not looking for somebody that is going to mash homers and you know, have a major error. The whole idea is that everybody works together and chips in. And if there's another breakout prospect stud on my prospect team that I'm going to go for, it's Michael Bush of the Dodgers. Um, second baseman might end up first base. We'll see what happens with him, but a college bat. Um, I really like Bush. I, I've said it before when we talked about things, the more I've looked at him, the more I see him rise in my fantasy um, rankings versus his draft position last year. So the, you've got Cron, Thames, Kendrick, and then as a prospect, Bush. So Ty, if you're filling in your utility starter spot, um, who you got? I, I really like Cron. Uh, we talked about him in previous episodes. I think the, the power is there. He's in a good situation in Arizona for a power guy. I think Christian Walker is a bit of a mirage, and I don't know 
that he has the staying power at first base. So I, I like Kron to really chip away at some of those at-bats this year and eventually win the long-term position. So I, I just don't think you can keep what he brings to the roster off the roster any longer. Um, Christian Walker is okay, like, but he's, he's very much a, a 1B, if you will, and, and not a 1A. I think Kron could be a, a decent, above-average 1A, and so that's why I like him. The other guys are, are, are more than serviceable in Thames and Kendrick. They're definitely going to give you some value, but I think Kron has the most upside, so I'm going with him. Yeah, and the one guy that I haven't put in my offensive list anywhere um, is David Fletcher of the Angels, 25-year-olds, uh, you know, super utility guy. I didn't do a bench for this because I didn't want to keep rhyming off various names, um, but he's a guy who I would look to. But I also think that because of how he – uh, came about things last year, really low strikeout total, lots of walks, but I, well, whatever, percentage-wise, lots of walks for his at-bats. Um, he's somebody that fits in perfectly on a team when you take over a roster. And I know I had a trade with um, old Roto Ronnie where I got Fletcher, and I don't remember what our deal was. I, I think I was uh, Carrasco, Carlos Carrasco, that I traded at a high salary with something else. And I thought, well, if this one doesn't go great for me because Carrasco returns to – you know, dominance in uh, points per game or points per start, at least I'm going to be able to move Fletcher around. And when you have a roster in a big league, versatility is huge. It could be, depending on how your league set up, the difference between having an active starter in and taking a zero for three days or for your weekend or for your whole week, depending on your lineup. So versatility is certainly a big thing. And I think Howie Kendrick is an ideal fit. Uh, not that we don't like the power of Cron and the fact that Eric Thames just he's fine. Eric Thames OPS over 800, you know, depending on how things go in Washington, it could really help him to solidify for a couple of seasons there. But Howie Kendrick just has, uh, I think he's the best baseball player in that group. So if I'm picking one, so um, I don't know if, if you, if you want to stop this, this took a bit, we can do pitchers as its own um, since we do have five starting roles and five closing or, or RP roles to go through. Um, yeah. Let's, let's cut it off there. I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, a lot of really good players in that list that are, are definitely underappreciated. The pitching list is really exciting for me because there's some <laughs> really good discussion points in there and we'll just dangle that carrot for you guys a little bit there, because I think the next episode uh, is going to be absolute dynamite. So um, I think that's a great spot. So let's just leave it here, Robbie, who of this list of the infielder outfielder combo guys, Who's the one guy you'd give it all up to get? Oh my God. I, well, I don't have to give it all up to get shed long. So I'm not going to say him. Uh, gosh. And I've been, I've, I've been loving the madrigal. I wish there, I wish every fantasy league had two second baseman positions. You know, some have two catchers should be two second basemen. So that way I can get both my guys. If I'm giving it all up, I'm getting, I'm getting rid of my team and I'm acquiring this guy. Um, I'm going to say I'm taking Mountcastle. Yeah, that's my guy too. That's the guy I'd go with. A very, very close second for Arizona. For me, that would be a very close second. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, Mountcastle's the guy for me. I, I, I think we're both high on him for, for good reason. And uh, I think most people still are, are uncertain and that's when you buy. So um, we'll leave it there, Robbie. Another episode here at Diggers and we'll see you all next week. 
This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.